Hello listeners, welcome to the Web Chatter Report, episode 116. Hello, how you doing? Happy Friday. Assuming I post this today, I may post it tomorrow. I am supposedly working right now. But you know, I've had a really rough week at work, man. I think everything's in good shape. You know, I, I got through a lot of challenges this week. And I'm in a good, I'm in a good spot. But uh, I'm tired, I'm not gonna lie. It's 1.45 on Friday. I don't have another meeting scheduled for the rest of the day. So I'm I'm rolling the dice and I'm doing the, my my podcast because I, I missed last week. It's been three weeks since there has been a web chat and report. Did you miss me? It is day 795 of my pandemic quarantine, which I suppose will be coming to an end next Wednesday night, Thursday morning, when we set off on our journey to for a three-week trip to Massachusetts, the first nine days in Salem, Massachusetts, and then the next 10 days, 11 days, something like that, in Boston. We're leaving at about 7 o'clock next Wednesday, and we're driving all night. I drove all night to get to you. Cindy Lauper cover of that song is underrated. It's going to be kind of intense. Hopefully Jane falls asleep in the car pretty quick. Emma's going to do the first shift while I try and sleep because I always go to bed earlier than Emma. Then I'm going to get us into Boston, Salem on the second shift, hopefully. <laughs> we'll see how that works. If I can get like four or five hours of sleep in the car, I should be good. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Uh, but none of that has to do with why we are late on our podcast. Last Friday, May 6th, I had the day off. I, uh, Jane was at Grammy's house, and so I had my morning to myself. I got up at my normal time, which is just around 7 a.m., came down here to my office, and was going to do my normal weekday routine, which I do even when Jane is at Grammy's house, because, you know, I write a daily email to people and they like to have it in the morning. So I write it first thing and I got, you know, I got to check the work bank account, check the, the dashboard stats at work, uh, handle my Quicken transactions, do these map flashcards I do every day, write my 750 words, which I write in addition to the daily email. So, you know, I was writing that day because it was the day before my 50th birthday. I turned 50 on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I've been having a lot of like, uh, nah, I don't know, it's not the cliched issues about turning 50, but I, I was having some issues. I didn't really want to think about it, you know? I mean, I don't, it's, I, I'm accepting that's probably issues in its own way, but I didn't think of it as issues. I just didn't care really you know I just didn't I, I don't know I I think a lot of it's pandemic related my my wife kept for the last several months kept kind of like trying you know we both thought I'd turn 50 we'd have a big party maybe we'd get a bunch of friends down to visit and stuff but it was pretty clear none of that was going to happen and she was sort of trying to plan a you know, smaller version of that and I just didn't want it and eventually I told her I didn't want any of this and my friend in Wilmington tried to come that weekend, and I was like, I, I don't really want you to come that weekend. I, I'd want to see you. So if it's between this weekend and next weekend, because uh, we're leaving after that, then, you know, I prefer next weekend. But if it's this weekend or nothing, you should come. But then it turned around, he, he's going to Boston, too, for this party we're going up to in June. So I'll see him anyway. And, uh, you know, I just didn't really want to think about 50. But I felt like I should take a moment and recognize it. So... I write this email every morning to my friends and I was like, I'm going to take today's episode to sort of talk about turning 50 and what it means to me. And, you know, a big part of what it means to me is like facing your mortality. And I wrote that a lot of my friends had recently lost friends and loved ones. And, you know, that I, I very much believe that you should always tell people you love them in case you never see them again. I'm very good at that. Um, 
I want that mentioned at my funeral, by the way, that I am very, very good at that (laughs) because you do it your whole life. And what's the reward? Just there's this one day when you die that you're like, at least I told everyone I love them. (laughs) The reward is the love, man. Anyway, you know, I was writing all this and I was writing about like this tension you feel as you get older between doing everything you want to do and the time it takes to do those things and having to make hard choices and whether you should stick with things when they take longer than you want and versus moving on and, you know, the winnowing of paths and things like that. And, but really, you know, I was like, uh, it wasn't a sad post and it was really a post focused on love and loved ones and the fear of losing loved ones and things like that. So I got it done. felt good about it. And I was like, okay, I got that off my chest. And, you know, I planned for three things on my birthday and I looked forward to them all. In hindsight, they were a terrible three things to combine, but we'll get to that. And uh, I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to listen to this record here and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going over the record player and flip the record and listen to this record while I write my 750 words and I'm going to get on with my day. I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to, you know, do some stuff. Um, and my phone rang when I was over at the record player flipping the record over and my phone's on silent. I didn't really think about it. And, you know, you get a lot of spam calls and I don't have any friends that call me at eight in the morning. So I didn't answer it. And then I came back over and I looked and it was my friend Sean Drinkwater calling. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I should give him a call. But then rather than picking it up and immediately calling, I looked over at my computer. Facebook was open because I had just posted my entry. As I do every day, I cross post the email to Facebook. And at the top of the list was an entry from my friend Jess Hickey, who told me that our good friend Mike Gill had passed away the night before. And Mike was in good health. You know, obviously right away, I I don't know all the details. I know more of them now, but, uh, you know, I immediately call Sean back because I'm like, oh shit, that's why he's calling. (laughs) Uh, That's not true. That's the wrong order. I went upstairs and I woke Emma up and she actually was just waking up and about to look at Facebook anyway. So I got to tell her instead of her learning off of Facebook. Told her what was up, cried for a little bit, and then we called Sean together, and we, we learned what he knew, which was not much, that he seems to have passed away at night, and him and Jess had been worried for a day, and they did a wellness check, and, you know, it wasn't suicide, it wasn't drinking, he had COVID, but, you know, he had been posting, and he said he felt well, and, you know, he lives out in L.A., uh, and now we know he just sort of passed away of natural causes in his sleep, which is, you know, we'll get, I think we'll get more from an autopsy soon. It's, it will have been a week today. I guess last night was a week. Um, but you know, this is the second time this has happened to me during the pandemic that a very good friend of mine, a man younger than me, a good friend, a long time friend, Mike and I have been friends for 20 years, better friends as time went on. You know, he worked at the Middle East. He was in rock bands. He was a band called the damn personals. I, when I was in bands, I knew him forever, but we weren't as close back then. We got closer through the years. Um, his girlfriend was a friend of ours and she's great. And so, yeah, that really sucked. Uh, of the three things that I had planned for my birthday, Sean earlier that week, knowing guessing because he's a good friend and he is intuitive how I probably felt about turning 50 gently pushed and encouraged that we should really have a zoom on Friday so I talked to Jess and I talked to Sean and I was like this kind of this is great we should have the zoom anyway and Jess agreed and I was like I didn't want to be the center of attention talking about my birthday anyway I'm much more concerned about Jess's well-being and so we did the zoom anyway and it was actually really cathartic and it was nice to see her I'm so worried about her and you know, see Sean and other friends, um, you know, be with friends on my birthday. I stayed on till midnight and, you know, just be there thinking about and celebrating Mike, even as we didn't know everything that happened and we still don't, but it's mood at this point, right? Uh, you know, same with Andy. Once you're told that it's like a out of the blue natural thing that happens in your sleep, whether it's an aneurysm or a stroke, it doesn't matter at that point. Like, I don't care. It, it's a sudden, it's nature doing something suddenly. And that's, that's the answer for me. Um, I will see Jess in June in Boston. So maybe, you know, we can talk some more, but it'd be good to give her a hug. Um, where was I? Right. So anyway, I drank during that Zoom, which felt great and it was awesome. And I got too drunk and I went to bed and uh, I got up in the morning and now we're on Saturday and I 
let's see. I slept in, which was good. And then whenever I drink, which is so rare these days, but early in the pandemic, we would do these Zooms almost every Friday. And Emma would always sort of like halfway get up to make sure that I was really going to get Jane because, you know, I'm drunk. But for me, you know, I usually get up at seven. I usually get Jane out of bed at nine. So that's a two hour padding. So I usually pull it off. And I did pull it off that day. I got Jane just fine. Um, and then Emma got up and then I went to get my booster shot because I turned 50 and you can get your second booster shot at 50. And in two weeks from last week, a week from now, we will be in Salem, Mass. So I wanted, it takes two weeks for the booster to kick in. So I wanted to get it as quickly as possible. So I'd have that extra level of protection because this trip is very, very stressful at this point because Massachusetts is going through a wave of COVID as we are here as well. It's less stressful here because we don't leave home, but we'll be there. It's such a bummer. I mean, I want to see friends. I will see friends. I'll try and stay outside. I wasn't going to be going to bars and getting drunk at night anyway, which is what I love to do in Boston because I would have had my, I have Jane with me and I'm working. I didn't take, you know, two, three solid weeks off. I mean, you know, I'm not going to use all my vacation on this. I took a lot of days off. I took a long weekends, everything and, you know, stuff like that. But um, I'm working a lot of it, you know, and so I will see friends still, but I just wish COVID was gone. It just bums me out. And I know I'll be stressed. And so many of my friends up there have gotten COVID. So, you know, they're, they're more loose about masks and they're just, they take a different approach than me because they've been living in a city and they've been going out and they're used to it. And I'm not, and like, it's going to stress me out, but you know, I still want to go and I still want to see my friends. And now Jess is planning a memorial for Mike while we're there which is great because it doesn't add another trip and I can see her. So that's good. And so we're definitely going still. It's just going to be sort of like we're living in a different place and we'll still be careful and we'll get to see a few friends once in a while, which is better than our normal life. So I think on the whole, it'll be a net positive. Um, traveling with an infant seems crazy or a toddler seems crazy, but I think we need to do it. And, uh, oh yeah. And then this today I was thinking, well, you know, if nothing else, I'll be really happy to be home and get back into my routine. And then I can do this for a few more months. So that's the plan. Um, I got a haircut yesterday, finally in advance for this trip. I've been doing all these things, planning for the trip, getting, oh, it's right. I got to call the pharmacist, getting my pills, getting this, pa making packing lists. You know, I'm going to be working. We need computers. I got a toddler. We need toddler supplies. We're staying in houses with kitchens. Like, you know, just like all this stuff you got to bring and think through and toddlers and pooping and trips and toilets. And, you know, it's just like it was easier when she was in diapers. You could just leave her in the car seat and let her poop. But now you can't do that. And I don't know how that's going to work. She's potty trained, but only in the house. It's so tied to routine in the house. Where, you know, she she tells us when she has to pee and poop. I think it should be OK, but. A lot of planning, a lot of planning. And the haircut was one of them. I, I feel weird about it. It feels great. It looks a lot better. But I made a vow, like in March of last year, I had just got my haircut at the end of February before the pandemic. Not last year, two years ago. And I was like, I'm not cutting this hair until this pandemic is over. <laughs> and I made it this far, man. I haven't cut my hair in two years and two months. <laughs> and I really thought I was going to make it. But it looked so bad. And I want to look okay for this trip. So I got my haircut. Yeah, so that's why all of that, that's that's what's been going on. That's why I didn't do the podcast next week. Uh, I intend to do it on the trip, so I guess I'll, next two weeks from now, I'll, still be, I'll be in Boston at that point, right? Yeah, we go to Boston on the 28th. What's uh, the 13th, so 27th. Yeah, I guess I'll just move to Boston. And um, I think we move on Friday the 28th, and the 27th is two weeks. So I might, I, I should be able to do it. Hopefully I can do a podcast while I'm there. And if not, maybe you don't hear from me for a month. I don't know. I don't know. I like doing this. It makes me feel grounded. I don't even know if people listen anymore. It's basically therapy. Thank you if you do listen. I'm glad you find it engaging. But uh, I hope I can do it while I'm there. I'm bringing a microphone. I'm bringing a computer. I, you know, I'll have everything I need. But we will see. We will see. Other than that, uh, I made a purchase that I feel really good about. I bought a massage table. <laughs> <laughs> it's black. It's portable. So when I don't want it, I can fold it up and stick it in a closet. It is the kind with the head rest where you put your, you lay face down on you put it in, you know, it's got the loop and you can put your head in the loop and rest on your forehead and your nose goes through the loop and you can breathe through the loop. And it's just so comfortable for me. And, you know, I used to get massages a lot when, because my neck hurts all the time and they never helped though. 
but everybody told me to get them and I loved them and I especially loved the table. But when I learned that I had, you know, a couple feel syndrome and my vertebrae were fused and I realized the massages were never going to help too much with that. I still got them occasionally before the pandemic, but not as much, but I really love the t- table. And whenever I get really upset or exhausted from work, I always just think how nice it'd be able to go over to the other side of the room and lay down face down on a massage table. And one day I realized they're not that expensive. I, th- I assume they're several hundred dollars like beds, but they're not. They're like portable pieces of furniture. They're more like cots, right? It was like 80 bucks. And uh, I got it all set up this week before and I had a lot of work stress. And, you know, it's it's like strategy stress, right? Like, okay, I've gained this piece of information. Now I need to think and decide what to do next. And I have to process an extraordinary amount of information before I decide what to do next. And which means your most important goal is to buy some time so you have time to think and process. And then I would go over and lay face down on this table with headphones on and just process and relax and let my brain do its percolating. And it's been working so great. I cannot recommend it strongly enough. It's really, it's really improved my life. And I want to go over there right now, <laughs> but I'll hold out till, uh, after we're done with the podcast. Uh, and then we voted this week yesterday as well. Uh, early voting in North Carolina in the North Carolina democratic primary, only four races that we had to vote for, but one of them was U.S. Senate, so that was interesting. Our regional district attorney, who's the attorney general? I can't remember, district attorney. And uh, two uh, county commissioner races for our county. And uh, yeah, it felt good. That was fun. Got to vote. Um, what else? Wagovi's going well. Have not lost any weight in like weeks. I'm not gaining. I'm not losing. I still eat too much, not compared to before. I get ill. I'm. I don't know. It's a whole thing, but I'm sticking to it and it's definitely suppressing my appetite. And if I can get through this trip without gaining too much weight, I will recommit to an actual diet. I had not been trying hard is the thing I want. The value proposition of this drug is that it's not hard for me to diet. That's what I love about it. I, I fast 16 hours and I still stick to that most days. I break it maybe once a week. And, um, you know, I just eat what I want otherwise until I get full and I still overeat past full, which is what I got to stop doing. And I get sick and the drug exacerbates getting sick when you overeat and the amount it takes to overeat is a lot less. Those are good things, but I haven't fully adapted to that. Um, but other than that, I don't do anything. I eat what I want during the day and then I fast for 16 hours and it's been working great, but I've definitely hit a wall. And so I need to like put a little bit more effort into it. The amount of effort I'm putting in this time to the time compared to the time I lost the 80 pounds and I've only lost 40 now, 35, 36, something like that, um, is one tenth, not even maybe 5% of the effort I put in that time. That time it was like kicking and screaming and clawing and every day was a nightmare. This is like, I didn't lose any weight today. That sucks, but I didn't get any weight. I lost a pound. Cool. And I love that. It's like making it sane. It's just slow. And, uh, but all in all, I'm still happy with it. And I, I do anticipate there will be more progress. I just need to like get through this trip and come back and start focusing on the stopping eating when I'm full thing. <laughs> Jane's good. She still throws tantrums, not as much as before, but definitely still happens. And I think about those people back when she was two and she was throwing lots of tantrums and they told me it gets better. And they're like, yeah, it gets better at three and then at four. And I'm like, yeah, you didn't lie, but you didn't tell the truth either. It's better, but it's not good. <laughs> I mean, having a kid is great. Jane is great. Don't get me wrong. The tantrums are not good, but you know, we can have talks about them afterwards now sometimes. She's just getting much better at conversing in general. And I'm kind of pushing it too far. I talk like as fast as I do to you guys, to her. Like this morning, clearly, I think it must have been Grammy. Somebody gave her a rule that was say, you don't need to apologize for mistakes. You apologize when you're unkind. And I was like, well, that is true. You should always apologize when you're unkind. But sometimes actually it's good to apologize for mistakes. Like imagine if I fell, if I just tripped and fell, I don't need to apologize to anyone. I made a mistake. I should just say, whoops. But if I tripped and fell and I knocked into you and I knocked you over, then I should also say sorry. And I said it that fast to her. (laughs) She's four, right? And she kind of processed it for a while. And she was like, always say sorry when you're unkind. And sometimes you say sorry when you make mistakes. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, if daddy falls on Jamie, he should say sorry. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wow, she actually got that pretty well. I mean, maybe not fully, but she got the gist of it. And I was like, all right. But I mean, the thing is, you know, she'll talk all the time about being unkind. And then I'll be like, you're being unkind now. And then she doesn't care. She doesn't care that five minutes earlier she announced she doesn't want to ever be unkind. Once she starts being unkind, she's like, no, I want to be unkind. And she, you know, she'll say the opposite to everything. And she'll tell me she doesn't love me. And it's all just like, ugh. 
But, you know, the good parts are great. <laughs> yeah, she's good. She's good. I did not see her this morning. Or I saw her this morning. I didn't see her yesterday morning. And uh, Emma watched her last night. So it's daddy bedtime tonight. I'm very excited. Very excited. But she made me a nice card for my birthday. She did a drawing of brown bear for the first time. I mean, her art is so good. It is just crazy. It is crazy. It is crazy. She texts. She writes. I'm just amazed. I'm amazed by her. She's so, she's very smart. She's not super curious, but I guess that's okay. I need to start prompting curiosity. Like, you ever wonder why this? Like, I don't do that. Uh, I've been living, like, I want to get to the wise, and she's not to the wise yet. Other people her age are to the wise yet, and she's not. And I need to start, like, doing that more, I think. Yeah. Uh, work, work is exhausting. It's good. Everything's going well, but it's exhausting. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to talk about work. I need a work break, but I'll have it next week. Uh, gardening's going pretty good. Uh, we had this incident where the bird feeder rotated in the wind so that when the birds were eating the black sunflower seed in it, it drifted down into one of my birdies' beds, and the squirrels go like apeshit for black sunflower seed, and it got in the birdies' beds, so they chewed their way into this one bed, and they've been like in there. They're not eating the plants. They're picking at the seeds, so it's kind of okay, but I don't want them in there because they're going to eat the plants eventually. They did last year, so I'm like kind of... I bought stronger netting and a bungee cord and I'll make the thing impenetrable before we leave, but I don't want to do it right until right up until we leave because I want them to eat as much of the black sunflower seed out of there as they can. So that while we're gone, they're not like tormented by it. Um, and then when, you know, we move the bird feeder and put, stop using black sunflower seed, went back to the economy kind that the squirrel don't make the squirrel so crazy. So hopefully it'll be okay. I bought security cameras for the garden. <laughs> They're great. I won in the strawberry bed. I won in the cucumber bed. The cucumber bed is the one that they're always attacking. And I can just see when the squirrels are in there. And I look at them on my phone. I'm like, uh, you know, now that I know what I need to do, I've turned off the notifications because they just stress me out. But, uh, you know, the row row covering's coming tomorrow on the bungee cord. And I'll cover the whole thing up really tight before we leave. And uh, it should be good. The irrigation, drip irrigation is working amazingly. All the plants are thriving. It's like, I think this garden's going to be in good shape while we're gone. I got this tomatoes trellis. Uh, most of the potatoes mounted. A couple of the potato plants failed. That's a shame. But uh, the lettuce is amazing. Everything looks good. So I think I th- I'm feeling good about leaving this garden for three weeks. It should be good. It should be good. Uh, I put a, my grapes are going gangbusters. I need to find where to put them somewhere. We need to buy a trellis of some sort. I keep forgetting to shop for one. And, uh, but last year the deer and squirrels ate the grapes. So I have three, four really good grape plants. I took one of them out of the hoop house and put it outside the hoop house to see if anybody's eating it and no one has yet. So I think they will be safe outside the hoop house and I will be able to grow grapes. I just got to figure out where I want to put them, which means I need to buy a gazebo or something. Yeah. We did a birthday three weeks ago. Uh, Jane went to see our friend's kid, Elliot, at his second birthday in Cary, and we were at this park, and the park had this amazing gazebo, arched gazebo archway thing that was covered in ivy, and I was like, that's what I want for my grapes. But I don't know where you can buy one, or if I have to get somebody to make one. I'm not sure. So yeah, that is life in Chatham County, North Carolina, for the week of May 13th, 2022. Let's turn to the media report. A lot of vinyl has come in. I... uh Urge you, oh no, yeah, I, I will do vinyl first since I started. Urge you to remember it's been three weeks since the last podcast, so this is a little bit more unusual, but you know, it's been three weeks. Got the new Fontaine's DC, DC album, Skintifia. It's great. My screensaver just turned on. There we go. Um, Marin Morris had a Walmart special edition of her new album called Humble Quest that I bought that at Walmart here. And uh, then I was like, I like Marin Morris and I really liked her last album, Girl. There's a song on their bones about the house. You know, the bones of a house. And uh, so I was like, well, I guess I'm a Marin Morris vinyl collector now. So I got to buy girl too. So I ordered that off the of discogs. Um, two coil albums that I had ordered from two different record labels ages ago, both shipped coincidentally, I think music to play in the dark two from Deus records arrived. And uh, the chaos edition of love secret domain on the revised wax tracks, wet records, the re resurrected wax tracks records run by Jim Nash's daughter out of Chicago. Now the original founder co-founder of wax tracks. Um, yeah. I ordered that thing more than a year ago. They've been plagued with, you know, 
pandemic related distribution or manufacturing delays because it's like a 12 inch a 7 inch a book a box a sticker it's like one of those incredibly elaborate packages for love secret domain i own a test pressing on vinyl of love secret domain but i never owned a regular normal edition so i'm very excited it's a gorgeous pressing and i love that record uh, and I'm I'm very excited it finally arrived. Uh, new Sharon Van Etten. We've been going about this all wrong. Beautiful colored vinyl edition. Very happy. Uh, Emma got me Metric's Greatest Hits Volume 1 for my birthday, um, which is great because I have all the Metric albums from Synthetica? The one with Breathing Underwater forward. But I don't have the old ones. Emma liked Metric before I ever did. She got me into them. So like all those early songs like Combat Baby and stuff that we would see live when we used to see Metric all the time. I haven't missed a Metric show in a tour in like a decade. Uh, I didn't have, so now I do. So that was cool. Uh, I got a Wolfgang Press EP. I'm almost done getting every piece of vinyl the Wolfgang Press ever put out. There's like three left. This is one of them, Scarecrow EP. Great song. The Vinyl Meme Please release of the month for me was Johnny Cash's Live at Folsom Prison. It's a great pressing. I did not have it on vinyl. The Arcade Fire new album, We, which is awesome. Some people out there are giving the new album shit. They're wrong. It's great. If you ever like the Arcade Fire, you will love this Arcade Fire record. And it sounds so much like the Arcade Fire. Why is that a bad thing? You know, times have changed. 13-person big bands are not something that's as unique and shocking anymore. But so what, man? The Arcade Fire are great. Um, Unconditional One, Lookout Kid, I just think is a near-perfect song. Some reviewer was like, it's cloying. And it's. I was just like, fuck you. You don't have kids. <laughs> I love it. I love the new Arcade Fire. They're great on SNL, too. Uh, there's a new Sheila Devine re-release of Where Have All My Countrymen Gone. It was a colored vinyl record store day re-release, and I only ever had that album on CD, so I bought that. Uh, Aaron's a friend of mine. I was talking to him about that record, and he was like, yeah, why wouldn't we do that re-release? I'm like, cool, yeah. So I got that. I got the re-release of Seafield Sucker. S-U-C-C-O-R, not S-U-C-K-E-R. That would be a Wolfgang Press album. Ha, 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 Wolfgang Press jokes. Um, Seafeel, electronic shoegaze band from mid nineties in England. I love them. I had a dream about them recently and I did not own sucker on vinyl. I own all their other albums on vinyl. I saw them live once back in the day. I was supposed to see them again since I lived here on one of my New York trips. I think maybe pandemic canceled or it was right before or something. I can't remember exactly why, but I didn't get to see that show. I'm very bummed. But, uh, this is a reissue and it's triple vinyl and it's really, it's lovely. It's lovely. Um, Thalia Zydek band. Uh, Thalia Zydek is a Boston rocker. I used to know her a little bit. She's in Come with Chris Broca, and she has her own band, and I love them. I used to see them live all the time. I miss them, uh, and uh, picked up one of her albums that I did not have. I have most of her records at this point, but uh, Eve, it's called, and I love that record. And then I bought both albums from the Damn Personals, Mike Gill's old band. Uh, you know, I never owned those records. I used to see them live all the time. I think we played a couple shows together, and uh, you know, I would see him and see the band play with other Boston rock bands. Rockets was like a space rock shoegazy kind of thing. And, you know, Arch Enemy didn't really like we had Neptune. They were kind of like noise rock, jazz, avant jazz, make your own instruments thing. And then we had the synth pop stuff, freeze pop and lifestyle. And then we had we had you know, we had Turkish Delight and Betwixt on the label. And they were kind of Boston rock rock. And I was friends with a lot of the Boston rock bands like Quick Fix and, you know, Drag Stiff Courage and, and stuff like that. And like the Good North, uh, Luke O'Neill's old band. But um, I didn't have a lot of the records of these bands. I, I do have records by all those other bands now that I think about it. So I'd seen them a ton and I hadn't heard these songs in years. And I was just like, I want to own them, you know. So I got Standing Still in the USA and Driver Driver, but the two damn personal albums. And they've both arrived and I've really listened to them. So that's been great been sad but helpful uh and then i got lamonte young's dvd with marion zazila the well-tuned piano in magenta lights uh, i've been shopping for an affordable copy of that for quite some time first edition goes for like 500 dollars. third edition goes for significantly less but it never sells and i finally found one and i got that so that was great uh other albums i oh no i forgot i didn't do discogs and plex i didn't add anything to plex yet i got a bunch of my desktop that are ripped and ready to go but i have to tag them so that's a while i did add alita battle angel the last robert rodriguez film before he worked on the book of bofet uh i liked that film i saw it in the theater i mean i don't love it but i enjoyed it um i wish they kept that franchise going but i bet they don't um but you know it had it was cheesy in a lot of ways it had problems but it had a lot going for it it's very representative of a lot of Robert Reese's work in that regard. 
Uh, I sold a Third Eye Blind CD, self-titled. That was Emma's. Uh, I sold a compilation CD called Sound from Hands that I've owned for, God, 35 years. It's something avant-garde, experimental, noise rock. Had a Sydney Talk song on it that was not on anything else. Had a lot of great music on A lot of great bands. Very, very obscure shit. And uh, I was sad to see it go because I don't think it even exists on vinyl, but I ripped it. So that's cool. And I sold the Kindred Spirits comp, which is a bedazzled records goth comp that had like Missile Thrush and a lot of other Boston goth bands on it. Also sad to see that go. It does not exist on vinyl, but I ripped it. Uh, I sold a Kylie Minogue CD, Aphrodite. Didn't even know I owned it. Uh, I sold both two ultra vivid scene CDs, uh, Rev and self-titled. I own both of those on vinyl already, so that's okay. We talked a lot about ultra vivid scene recently when I got that 12 inch that had the press release in it that was with a handwritten note from a girl I used to date in the nineties. <laughs> that was awesome. I love ultra vivid scene. I'm obsessed. I've talked about them a lot and uh, spiritualized the complete works volume one spiritualized. Ah, God, 10 years ago, released two CD compilations, Complete Works Volume 1 and Complete Works Volume 2 that were compilations of all the singles and B-sides and things like that that they had put out through the years. But I own all those, so I own them all on vinyl. So I bought those two because I'm a good good little fan and Jason needs money. But, uh, you know, somebody else wants them, they can have them. I have all the vinyl. They're ripped. So, yeah, those are the things that were sold on Discogs in the last three weeks. Other new albums I listened to. Listen to the new Cannons album, Fever Dream, a sort of mellow, sophisticated synth pop band with a hot lady singer and two dudes, like a, like a easy listening churches, and I love them. Dan Reeder, Every Which Way. I really like that record. Uh, I didn't know anything about this guy, and he writes like funny, he's like a funny John Prine or something. I think he's on John Prine's label. Um, yeah, I didn't know anything about him, and it was really good. I liked it. There's this band called Rumors, XOXO. I don't remember anything my note says. Really kind of bland, so I guess I didn't like that very much. Man, I don't remember a lot of this. It's been three weeks, and my friend died, so forgive me. Molly Nilsson, Extreme. No recollection whatsoever of that one. Tombstones in Their Eyes, A Higher Place. Loved it. Kind of tombstones are in your eyes are on this goth label that my friend Bill Pierogi alerted me to. Bill lives in Salem. I'm going to be seeing a lot of them next week. I'm very excited about that. Uh... I really like this band. They're kind of like droney shoegaze goth, and they're great. Uh, Astrid Gilberto. She's awesome. Yeah, she's the girl that sings the girl from Ipanema back in the day. Somebody posted something about her, and I was like, I wonder what the rest of her music sounds like. So I listened to three of her albums, The Shadow of Your Smile, Look to the Rainbow, and one more that I did not write down. And she's great. They all are as fun and sexy and loungy as the girl from Ipanema. So I enjoyed that. That was a great day. I just listened to Astrid Gilberto all day. Strong recommend there. Uh, Bride Jean Feelings. That was a good record, but I don't remember it now. I think it was a little Cannons-like, if I recall. Uh, Wayfarer, Metal Band, a romance, with, a romance with Violence and World's Blood. Awesome. Quality sort of black metal with the screaming vocals. Death Haven without the shoegaze. Strong recommend on Wayfarer. Starcrawler, uh, Devour You, and their self-titled album. Two albums by Starcrawler. L.A. Glam Rock Band. Um, I've been watching a lot of Justin Hawkins rides again. It's the YouTube channel of Justin Hawkins, the lead singer of the darkness. <laughs> Somebody recommended it to me and they were right. And it's really good. It's like kind of a, he's just, it's a lot like this. He sits in front of a mic. He does it every day and he just talks for 15 minutes about some song. And I watch him in the evening and they're very high. He's like, good evening to Justin Hawkins and Justin Hawkins rides again. He's got a theme song. Justin Hawkins rides again. Again, uh, and he alerted me to this Starcrawler band, and uh, you know, so it's definitely a little glam rock metal for my taste, but some of it, especially on the second album, Devour You, is really good, so I enjoyed that. Oh, yes, then I went down this hole. Uh, I YouTube recommended a video to me called like the bands from Wet Leg before they were in Wet Leg, and it, I learned all about. Hester Henry on's pre wet leg career. And I got kind of obsessed cause I'm obsessed with wet leg and, uh, you know, they're showing Hester solo stuff and they're showing Rian solo stuff. And then they started like, and then they started singing together in this other guy's band and they showed some footage of that. And I was like, that band is like in a very expensive studio and they look very sophisticated. And then they like, you know, so I looked it up and that guy is Rian's ex-boyfriend and he's in a band called plastic mermaids. And they, he was originally in Wet Leg with the two of them, but they got rid of him because they broke up. They don't seem to like him anymore. But uh, 
I really like Wet Mermaid or Plastic Mermaids as a band, and there's footage of Rihanna singing live with them in London, and it's insane. She's got this like operatic soprano voice, and it's just uh, so opposite of Wet Leg. It's just stunningly good. Um, but so I listed all the Plastic Mermaids that was on Spotify. Inhale the Universe and Everything is Yellow, and Yellow is my least favorite color EP. And uh, the Dream Drum Torp EP, and they had a bunch of one off singles too, but uh, they're really good. I like them, they're like kind of like, um, I don't know, I would say a little maybe what was that band? Uh, the Polyphonic Spree, the fun parts of the Flaming Lips, a little more symphonic, and a little bit more, less messy. Uh, and they're good, you know, like a little Brian Wilson going on there, smile, like uh, solid stuff. Plastic mermaids. I assume the guy's kind of a dick because they, you know, she dumped him and she did not speak super well. She doesn't say anything bad, but she's like, we didn't like him. He was kind of a dick. Um, but uh, and then I listened to all of Hester's solo stuff too, and Ryan has some solo stuff under the name Ryan on YouTube, but none of those. It's all singles, so I don't have any albums listed here that I listened to on that. Um. Then I learned about this Tom Berlin act. I don't know anything about Tom Berlin. It's a woman, I think, and it's solo, I think. And the album is, I don't know who, need, who needs to hear this. And the, it's very mellow, but it's really good. And I really enjoyed it. And then uh, the Arcade Fire album, We. And then Yard Act, The Overload. I enjoyed that a lot. It's kind of like uh, English punk smoking politics kind of thing with a guy speak singing. And I really enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> Alabaster de Plume, Gold. I just listened to that and I don't even remember it. <laughs> Seriously, it was like two hours ago. I have no recollection. <laughs> oh, well. And then I've been listening to a lot of older English stuff because I'm reading this book. And the book is called Exit, Exit Stage Left, The Curious Afterlife of Pop Stars by Nick Durden. And it is a book about people that used to be pop stars and how they're handling their lives after it. It is very heavily focused on England and kind of alternative and new wave. I wish it was expanded more. Kind of disagree with some of the fundamental theses of the book, but the little mini bios of these people and their lives after it are just fantastic. So I do enjoy that about the book a lot. Uh, and it has done Billy Bragg and Peter Parrott from the, uh, the other ones. That sings Another Girl, Another Planet. It did Wendy James from Transvision Vamp. It did Six Six Sputnik. So I've been listening to all of them. I listened to the Wendy James solo album. Nobody ever listens to it. It's called I Came Here to Blow Minds. It's actually really good. I just finished that this morning. Uh, I listened to Billy Bragg's album that did not do super well when he tried to pivot from anti-Thatcherite political music to more poppy stuff called Don't Try This at Home. And I actually think it was great. And there's two singles on there that do very well on like first wave these days. So I think the book was being a little bit uncharitable about how well that album did but you know it's really focused on his life after that with wilco and the woody guthrie stuff so uh you know it's kind of showing a different path of afterlife of pop stars and then uh peter parrot from the other ones i listened to his solo album how the west was one which was okay it's not as good as the uh you know another girl on another planet but it's pretty solid that dude spent his entire life as a crack addict and heroin junkie like literally 35 years Kind of astonishing he makes music. He says he's clean now. He did it all with his wife, too, who he says is also clean. How did they... I don't. I have so many questions. I would watch a doc documentary about their life, I swear to God. And the second Sig Sig Sputnik album that nobody listens to, the one without F Love Missile F-111 called Dress for Excess, listen to that this morning, and it's not very good. <laughs> so that's all the music I listened to this week. Uh, I wish I could tell you more about... Uh, the ones I don't remember. I apologize. I should have prepared more. TV. Oh, my God. So this is going to sound like we're watching a lot of TV because it's a lot of titles, but we're not. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Outer Range on Amazon with Josh Brolin. Kind of a Lost meets Twin Peaks meets a Western kind of thing. Uh, six episode, eight episode series. Finish the series. Starts off amazing. Ends pretty good. There's definitely some problems with the last few episodes, but. It's a little too cliffering, hangery of an ending for me. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It wraps enough up. It, it's good. I, I recommend it. The acting is uniformly excellent. Um, we watched Russian Doll Season 2, which I enjoyed, but it definitely got a little sloppy towards the end of it. Some people say they love it more than Season 1. Some people say they like it less. I, I'm on the edge. I think the first half of Season 2 I liked more than Season 1. The second half less than Season 1. That's where I'm at. Uh, SNL, of course, still watching that. I think it's been very good. The, uh, Benedict was... <laughs> 
He was good. You know, his monologue wasn't okay, but he was good in skits. He didn't laugh at every single skit. <laughs> but uh, Arcade Fire were great. And yeah, it's been good. It's been good. It took a break, so I think it might be the only one since we talked last. Uh, old Enough, we've been watching the 10, 15-minute long documentary episodes from Japan over the last 20 years of kids between the ages of 2 and 4 going on errands. It's adorable and kind of stressful, but super fun and very weird. It's doing its job. But yeah, it's cute. I like it. I, I recommend it. It's a good time. Uh, where is, let's see, where's the list? Uh, oh, the Ben Taveret. We watched one episode of the new Mike Myers comedy on Netflix where he plays basically every character except for uh, uh, Keegan. I, what's his name? Keegan Michael. <laughs> Key. <laughs> <laughs> I got that right. Keegan Michael Key and some guests like Maria Menounos and Jeremy Irons. It's fine. It was not funny. It's like fun to watch him act these different roles, but it didn't really do it for me. We don't feel any compulsion to watch another episode of that. We finished Moon Knight, which got better, but not good. You know, MCU, it's a problem. Doctor Strange is out in the theaters. I haven't gone because pandemic. Um, I'll watch it eventually. But I'm like, also, I'm sensing atmospherically it's not well reviewed. <laughs> uh, I think the MCU might be in trouble, folks. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see if Thor Love and Thunder can turn things around, right? But we get to pause on all this for a while because instead, Disney seems to think it can only show one MCU or one Star Wars show at a time. It's a network with one show. It's kind of weird. But uh, we're switching to Obi-Wan Kenobi, so that'll be exciting. In two weeks, and I'll be in Boston. I get to watch the, the premiere episode with my friend Sean. That'll be really nice. Um, Yeah, let's see. Uh, oh, and Halo. I'm watching Halo. I enjoy Halo. I think it's great. I'm unapologetic about the fact that I think this is a very good show. It's very well done. It's kind of shocking. I played the game for 10 minutes once. I am not a Halo fan. Uh, and because of the graphic design of the game, this show is somewhat cliched in its art direction. But other than that, it is very solid sci-fi. Recommended. And all the Star Trek. We finished Picard. It was terrible. I have a lot of complaints about Picard. Um, since I watched it, I watched a uh, Red Letter Media review of it that hated it as much as I did, and I felt very validated. Then I learned that Roe v. Wade got overturned right after that, so that sucked, and I was really depressed. God, I forgot about that. That's happened since I talked to you, too. Sorry, man. I've been distracted. Um, and then they moved on to Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is a prequel to the original series, and it's awesome because it's episodic, and it's on the Enterprise with Uhura and Spock, and I love it, and it's great. I mean, it's not great, but it's like if they just redid the new, the old original series for modern times, and it's so much better. I'm so done with, like, season-long arcs. I want episodic TV again, and there's only two episodes so far, but they're episodic, and I'm really into it. God, I'm going to be so exhausted when I have to do another update to my economics at Trek book. But there hasn't been a lot of economics in any of this stuff, so I'm hoping there is in this one. Um, we shall see, actually. And oh, anyway, I was talking about Picard. So after that, I read an interview with Patrick Stewart, and I think I've identified the problem with Picard, which is that he said in the interview, and I think this is the problem, he's like, I don't know where I end and Picard begins. And I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. You were abused by your father. Picard was not. So now that you've written this weird thing that has parental issues into the show, and you know, oh yeah, so I watched uh, another YouTube review of Picard by Screen Rant, and he's much more forgiving of it than Red Letter Media, and he raised some good points. He's like, actually, in season one of Picard, of Next Generation, there was an episode where Picard was hallucinating his mother and said he had unresolved issues, and so, in fact, this whole plot with his mother, which I think was unrealistic and problematic, is alluded to in the in, in the Next Generation, and I was like, okay, well, shit, I... I guess so, but I find it unrealistic because this dude never mentioned it for seven years and he had a freaking counselor on the ship and if he had any issues, he would have dealt with them with his counselor, but he made a good argument and I think the argument is plausible enough that it makes it kind of a little bit okay, but the whole rest of it is just so muddled. There's too many moving parts with the Borg and Q and this and that. Spoilers, sorry. I just didn't enjoy it. Um, but I do love Strange New Worlds. And then we decided, <laughs> we're just, I know that sounded like a lot of TV, but there's nothing we want to watch right now. So I was like, we're going to start the original series again. 
<laughs> and it was like, look, I recognize that we don't remember a lot of this and it'd be fun to rewatch all of Star Trek, but don't you think we should wait till Jane's old enough? Cause we're going to have to do it again then. And I was like, no, I don't think we should wait. I just want to start it now. So we've watched like three or four episodes, four maybe of the original season series again. And it's enjoyable. I like it. It's bad. It's so sexist for being progressive. But, uh, you know, there's a lot to like about it. I like episodic TV once again. I was one of the first ones that was like, no episode TV. Ron D. Moore is a genius. But episodes, you can just watch them and be done. My wife was right about that. There's a lot going on there. So that is all the TV. Did not watch a lot of movies. Um, I have three movies listed here, but I think I've talked about them last time. See, I'm a little confused because... Let's go back here. Nope. Okay. So, you know, I was preparing for this podcast um, when I found out that Mike died. So I was like, some of my notes, I'm like, I wrote those notes a long time ago, but I didn't. I wrote the notes and then didn't do the podcast. So that's what's going on. Um, we watched this um, Sir Richard Attenborough documentary about Brian De Palma, the archaeologist who discovered the site in, I think, North Dakota, maybe Montana, that has evidence of the dinosaur's final day. There was a big profile about him in like the New Yorker or something like that, like two years ago. And so I put a Google alert on him because people were like upset that this archaeologist announced his findings in the New Yorker and not an academic journal as a whole thing. And I was like, I bet he's right. And, you know, and uh, they've been arguing about it since. But then Richard Attenborough decided to do this documentary with him. And it is called, reasonably enough, The Dinosaur is the Final Day. And it like shows, you know, his site and his evidence. And they walk through like the asteroid hit and where it hit and the water and various ways that it might have killed the dinosaur. It was very interesting. It's very good. It's not going to air in America, though, so we have to get it somehow pirated like we did. <laughs> uh, then I rewatched Jupiter Ascending because I'm convinced that the Wachowskis made a better movie than anybody gives them credit for, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't imagining things. And there's a couple problems with it, but honestly, it's way better than anybody gives them credit for. And by the end of the movie, I was like, I want to know what happens to this woman. I want to know more about this world, and somebody should reboot it and or continue it. Uh, kind of both, like a sequel that you don't need to watch the first one to do would be awesome because it ends with a house cleaner that secretly owns the earth. And that's just a great premise right there. <laughs> you, know? you don't even need to know about the first Jupiter Ascending movie, right? Uh, yeah, I will I will stick up for most of their clunkers, that one in Cloud Atlas especially. Speed Racer, not so much. I don't really, I'm, uh, shit, I don't know. Maybe I have to go rewatch Speed Racer now. Uh, and then I rewatched Star Trek The Motion Picture twice. <laughs> <laughs> once in 1080p and then i realized there's a 4k director's cut on paramount plus which i now subscribe to and then i rewatch it again and uh i like that movie i like the ship porn it looks great in 4k uh i like spock's cool clothes <laughs> there's a lot to like about star trek the motion picture um so i really haven't watched any movies we're gonna watch the northman tonight and then we're gonna like suck it up and watch a pirated version of that new harry potter movie excuse me the new wizarding world movie this weekend but uh you know, I want to watch Doctor Strange, but I don't want to pay. I don't want. I don't, I don't mind paying for it. I just don't want to go to the theater. And um, the Northman, I really want to see. There's one other one. Oh, there's a ton in the theater. Oh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I desperately want to see, but I'm just not comfortable going to the theater yet. So I'm just holding out for these things to come on a video, man. Soon, soon. There's a bunch. Oh, Top Gun. I really need to see Top Gun. Oh gosh. Anyway. Next time I talk to you, hopefully I'll have seen some of these uh, books. I finished uh, The Bond King, How One Man Had uh, Made a Market, Built an Empire, and Lost It All by Mary Childs, book about Bill Gross and Pimco. I think I talked about this last time. I cannot remember. God. Strong recommend. Wish it talked more about the mechanics of the bond market, but as a tale of billionaire hubris and losing track of things and perhaps an applicable story to the saga going on with Elon Musk these days, excellent read. Then I read Origin, Genetic History of the Americas by Jennifer Raff. This is a great book, actually. It was about like how humans got to the Americas. And all the theories that there have been through the years, the history of archaeology in America, uh, the land bridge, and, you know, I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska, which is, I grew up in the hills outside of Fairbanks, Alaska. The hills lead into a valley. That valley is the Tanana River Valley. The Tanana River Valley has a site that is home to the oldest human being ever discovered in the Americas, over 10,000 years old. There's confusion because there's a giant ice wall. You could walk over the land bridge into 
Tananarive Valley, but you couldn't go any further east. You couldn't go south. So if you wanted to get to the rest of America, you had to wait for the ice to melt, or you could have gone all the way around it and up and down the coast. For a long time, people thought everybody just sat there in Tananarive Valley. Then as the ice melted, they went east and then down south by Illinois-ish. And then they had like, it's called the Clovis civilization, like spread out very fast around the whole continent because they find arrowheads that are similarly made everywhere of about the same age uh but since they found a lot of more recently and in the era of genetic testing they have found a lot of evidence that humans were in fact in the americas pre-clovis and it took them a long time to accept that they were wrong but now they kind of mostly accept they're wrong and they think they probably came down the coast except also there's some evidence that somebody sailed over the south pacific (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they still don't know everything, but it's just very interesting. It's a very good book, overview of the science and genetics, a lot of stuff about the morality of the genetics of indigenous people that was super interesting, and uh, I recommend it. Now I am reading that book I mentioned before, Exit Stage Left, The Curious Afterlife of Pop Stars by Nick Norden, which I recommend, but I'm not done, so we can talk about that in two weeks. it for this episode thank you for your patience and the one week delay i miss you guys drop a line let me know how you're doing uh, r.i.p mike gill i love you man i look forward to seeing my friends in boston and talking to you guys in a couple weeks take care